Shalom, this is Rav Johnny Solomon, and I would like to tell you about the services that I provide to men and women around the world. Firstly, if you have a she'ilah, a halachic query or a halachic topic you would like to learn more about as it applies to your life, and you feel that you don't have a Rav with whom you can discuss this question, I offer online halachic consultations. Secondly, if you have some theological or spiritual query, or if you're in need of some chizuk, I provide spiritual coaching. And lastly, if you'd like to learn about a particular Torah topic, I offer one-to-one learning. For each of these services, you can book an appointment for a small fee at my website, rabbijohnnysolomon.com, which seamlessly, with the magic of Calendly, then appears in my online calendar. And within a few minutes, you'll receive a message with a Zoom link. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to talking with you. Everybody and welcome to yet another edition of RZ Weekly, our weekly podcast about religious Zionism, modern orthodoxy, and everything in between. I think we're going to do today something in between. We're actually yet again a man down, this time a woman down. Molly Brodsky is not able to be with us, but Harav Johnny is back. Welcome back, Harav Johnny. I'm back. He's back. Thank you very much. The virtual Rob is back. Harav Johnny, I would like to dispense with your bio today, and I would simply dispense with my bio today. Let's remember to do it next time when we're all back here. But mention one aspect of your bio that we, we sometimes we note, but we don't always uh, speak about at length. And that is that each day, every single day, including, including Shabbat, or Mosei Shabbat, every day? Mosei Shabbos, yeah. 100%. Every single day, Rav Johnny writes an, a, a, an, either an essay, a thought, extended thought. It's, it's some, kind of, some kind of essay that's associated with the daily daf, with, uh, with, uh, with uh, daf yomi. And we thought... As Harav Johnny um, has this Dafyomi program, uh, and as well, and and now we're up, we're celebrating what is it the two year secular anniversary of the Dafyomi cycle? Correct. As we're recording, as it happens, it's uh, January fifth. Two years ago, we started. Um, so there's a little bit of talk around the world about how people reach two years. Yeah. Really? Oh, interesting. I never, I'm not following those. I'm not on the inner Dafyomi circles. Okay. Um, but Mazel Tov, Ken Yerbu. And I have, uh, as all of you who listen to this podcast have uh, hear my ads, know that I, I uh, promote very, very strongly a Mishnah Yomit program. So some of you know, some of you don't know. I also re- recently celebrated the Siyum of the cycle of Mishnah Yomit. I recorded all of the Mishnayot of, of Shas uh, with explanations in English via YouTube. So that was a quite, I have to say, like I'm not a... I guess effusive person or what have you. Maybe you don't know that on the podcast. It was a very big deal to me. It was very, very miragish, as we say. That'll be your word of the week. Um, and it was a huge milestone for me. And so we thought we would take the opportunity to talk about this idea of limud yomi, of learning every day. And maybe also think about what are ways that, you know, what are the some positives and benefits, some negatives as well. And also, what are some ways and, and tips and tricks if you're thinking about learning every day? So many people want to learn something every day, whether it be Nachyomi, Naviyomi, Tanachyomi in the 929. In Israel, they have Rambam Yomi. We have um, uh, what, uh, Mishnah Yomi, Dandaf Yomi. Did I miss anything? There's, I'm sure there's Ahmad Yomi. Tan, Tanya Yomi. There's, what else is there? Aruch uh, Yomi. No. That was a little too much for me. I, I thought that was like a, a stretch too far. Like, you know, if you're going to pick something, I thought that was a little weird. Didn't you? You thought that was like... Arachasholchan is an extraordinary work, and for some people, getting through it requires a daily discipline. I know, but wouldn't you just pick Shulchan Aruch before you pick Arachasholchan? Or, I don't know. I presume everyone learned Shulchan Aruch already. Ah, right. Okay. Okay. Anyway, all these Yomi programs, all of them were... So we'd like to talk about some positives, some, some negatives. Johnny... How's it been? Is this your first go through in the Dafyomi? Before we talk about about writing, have you learned Dafyomi before? Or this is your first foray into Dafyomi. 
It's my first foray, although the introduction is somewhat ironic, because at the end of the last cycle, so two years and a couple of days ago, um, I was asked to speak at a Siam Daf Yomi. Uh, I was asked to speak in a community in Israel, and I said, that's a really, really lovely offer, but I have to tell you that I don't learn Daf Yomi, so it's a little bit strange for me to give a big pat on the back and speak about the virtues of Daf Yomi as somebody who doesn't do it. And the organizer said, don't worry, I'm sure you're going to say some nice things, uh, and perhaps it may get you into Daf Yomi. Now, what they don't know is that... I tried on a number of occasions to try and get into the Daf Yomi groove. In fact, when I used to live in Yabin Yamin uh, as your neighbor, um, there was a very popular uh, Daf Yomi shir, um, and I used to attend it on occasion, and it's taught by a brilliant Maggid shir. But nevertheless, my feeling was that even where you have a, a medium to long pace shir, taking 50 minutes or something like that, the amount of content you're trying to cover in that period of time means you're encountering ideas in a relatively shallow way. Because just to get to the next line, the next line, and finish the whole duff, you have to move quite quickly. And that agitated me because I like to do deep dives. So It's really like anti-Johnny. It's like anti-Johnny learning. It's totally right. anti-Johnny so, learning. So I went to Duff Yomi. Again, great Maggot Shear, but it didn't fully speak to me, although I massively admired those who had that as a daily habit, who'd made that part of their day. And then I was asked to speak, and I couldn't quite figure out the, the pathway towards me getting into this uh, program. I wanted to in many ways, and yet I felt it wasn't quite to my liking. And that's why I chose a path that I've gone down, which is I personally read through the daf, but then I focus on one line or one teaching, which I explain having looked at various different mafarshim and sometimes offer my own insight. And so I look through the daf, I read through the daf, I read through a couple of occasions on a fairly shallow level, but my deep dive is on uh, one line, one teaching, one particular insight, and I try and make sense of it, often making reference to, um, or at least trying to make it in a way that's relevant to the readership uh, that I have around the world. So I will share that in the last daf yomi cycle, I also felt like, I don't know, the whole world is learning Daf Yomi, I should probably do it too. And so I started, I started in Brachot, some in the middle of Brachot. I was like, I don't know, maybe in the middle of Brachot. And I got all the way until, I think it was Sanhedrin or Avodah Zarah. And wow, that's pretty substantial. Yeah, it was pretty far, like five years or what have you. And then I think I started doing the Mishnah, and it was just too much to do everything. And the Mishnah was more important to me. And I, I have to say, so I, I always wonder, like th th this really raises the question of, and, I, and whether it matters even, what does it mean to learn the daf? Meaning I always felt that I, I needed to learn the material, learn and understand the words of the Gemara, and also I tried to do all the Rashis. I really did for this period of time. I was really doing all the Gemara, just understanding the shot of the Gemara and the Rashis. And I mean, like even just to understand the Gemara on a basic level. And mm. I wonder, I, you know, <laughs> I guess that's learning, but I think there's all levels of learning, all like all kinds of levels of learning. There's the, you know, so I would do some of it on my own in the mornings, you know, and then a couple of days a week, usually Shabbat, I would go Rab, Rab Luz, Rab Tzion Luz, for many years gave the Daf Yomi Shir, and he would do ta, right, two right. Dapim on Shabbat. And it was like amazing. Like, he knows all of Shas Balpeh. I don't even know if he had to prepare, whatever. Uh, that's one of the benefits of living where I live. And uh, I enjoyed it, but... I don't know if I would say I enjoyed. I can't say I liked it. It was it flew by at an incredible pace. The stuff that I had learned before, I I felt I it was good to review. The stuff I never learned before, I mean, like you said, it's like you're trying to watch the landscape. You didn't say this, but I felt like like trying to watch the landscape on a train. You know, as the train goes by, and nothing is really making an impression. And are you really looking at anything anyway? It was it was very. Hmm. I felt good about doing it but I don't know if I learned anything. Does that make sense? Well, uh, I'm quite sure you learned some things, but you're saying you didn't have that sense of sipuk, of real accomplishment, other than... No, I had a sense of sipuk. Oh, we finished this masechda, and I finished that masechda. Right, right, right. But did, can I say that I understood shas better or knew things better? I mean, I, re I read and understood a lot of words and ideas, but can I say I understood them better? I cannot say that. And I always found that troubling to some degree. That that was, I mean, like, that, that, that was, that's a problem to me. And I think that we'll come back to this a little bit later, but 
Like that's something that I, I personally had trouble with when I tried to do Dafyomi, that it was just, like you said, I did it, but so fast. It goes by just so quickly. And just trying to keep a pace makes it impossible. And sometimes, I don't know if you ever felt this, did you ever have to like daven up a, daven up a thing? You know what I'm saying by daven up? You're familiar with that phrase? It's a, I guess an American yeshiva no, phrase. What, what's, what's the phrase? You daven up an amur or daven up a couple dapim because you don't, you didn't, you don't have time to learn it all. You just don't have time. Um, so, well, I suppose that's that's the whole challenge when your goal is to really keep up to, to, with that pace and try and achieve that level of understanding of every word. I don't think I'm smart enough to understand in a whole duff with all Rashi's in 45 minutes to an hour, maybe even a little bit longer than that. You know, for me, uh, I, I'm somebody who really demands for myself clarity. And that's why I've chosen what I've done, which is, I, I say, I read the duff achieve some level of understanding about its flow um but then say one idea i'm going to try and understand wait but you spend let's say half an hour to 40 minutes or even more reading the daf you call it reading no, probably about no i i read the daf very very uh shallowly maybe uh uh 15 20 minutes and then spend the next hour uh or so sometimes a little bit longer doing a deep dive composing your thoughts so then, your deep dives are theological halachic whatever whatever speaks to me like i feel every single day a different line will kind of invite me to say, try and make sense of me. And I'll say, okay. And I'll look at sometimes, you know, uh, a couple of Mepharshim, sometimes 20, 30. Meaning once I hook on a thing, I say, I've got to explain this thing uh, as best I can. Um, oftentimes it's coming from a sense of connection. So this is such a lovely idea. It's beckoning me from a more emotional standpoint or halachic standpoint or theological standpoint. But it, it differs. So... You know, sometimes a person wants a cup of tea, sometimes a cup of coffee. Um, I open the daf, something speaks to me, invites me towards it, and then I try and make sense of it. So what do you do in the middle of Erevin, where they're discussing the nuances of like some kind of chaser that doesn't exist anymore, and there's just nothing? What, what do you do then? Or is there, or is there always something? So so that's the point. <laughs> I, I'm, a, I'm a genuinely on a kind of a... On a uh, theological relationship with Torah itself I believe there is always something there that we can connect to sometimes it takes a little bit more thoughtfulness so if you'd have asked me at the beginning of Erevin am I going to make it till the end of Erevin I'd have said not in a million years <laughs> there's no way I've never learned Erevin meaningfully and to think that I'm going to come up with something sufficiently interesting not only that it speaks to me but to the people who read my stuff I really I would have betted against me but if you do this as a daily discipline and you literally lean your ear close enough to the duff, there'll be something. Um, uh, you know, it's not a singular thing. I'm not only looking for one particular needle in a haystack, but I'm just looking for uh, something that springs out from the duff and uh, it leads me down different pathways. As I say, sometimes agada, sometimes halacha, sometimes my own, I suppose, uh, perspective on the daf for me though there are people who often overlay the daf with their own agenda i try and start with a daf that doesn't mean that my interpretation isn't shaped oh, by i me definitely would do that if i was writing what you do i would definitely would do that no so i try and make sure <laughs> i start with a daf it has to come from there but nevertheless are you, are you contemporary you talk about what's going on it. like did you relate to chaim wilder in the past couple of weeks or you tried not to do that um so i Veiled in much of my writing are allusions to what's in my head and heart. Um, at the same time, I'm writing not just for today, but also for the future. Um, and so I try not to be so day-to-day. -day. Um, I write often opinion pieces as well, so people know my opinion about uh, the importance of, of protecting people and, and punishing uh, those who've done harm and abused others very clearly. So there will be veiled references. Even today, for example, I spoke about the need to help people who are vulnerable, especially where we can't see them that they're in trouble. Mm. But that stemmed from the Gemara, meaning but, that was the final line, but it came actually quite linearly from the Gemara, which I tried to make sense of. So let me ask you deep down, if you can choose to answer this or not. Why did you decide to do this crazy daily seven and a half year writing project? It's it's an incredible pace. It's crazy. Um, 
firstly, I think most people, and we're going to come to you. I want to talk about your Mishnah. You know, when I am enjoying you interviewing you. This is more fun for me. I hope you guys like. Know, it's not, we, it's not, this is the thing. most Rav Johnny on this podcast. We always like you know drown you out. This is the most Rav Johnny you're ever going to get on this podcast. Um, firstly, so all I, the Rav Johnny fans are like, yeah, more Rav Johnny. Seven and a half years. I think I said I'm going to try brachas, and then I said, well, you know, you know, each masechta. <laughs> I said, I'm going to try it. And if and I, if I can get to the end of it, then all the better. Because every day is a surprise. Meaning, I have no idea what I'm going to be writing about tomorrow. I have, really haven't a clue. Uh, I don't know which mafosh I'm going to be looking at or what kind of perspective I'm going to be exploring, whether I'm going to be going, doing a deep dive in a Rambam or maybe referring to Talmudic manuscripts or referring to some kind of theological issue or a matter to do with spirituality. So there's a sense of real discovery. So for sure, for me as a learner, I, it's like I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat, not knowing quite where I'm going every day, which is fun. Um, beyond this, though, it, it's created a daily habit, which admittedly has proven itself even more than I could have imagined, uh, a real lifesaver the past couple of years. Because don't forget, here in Israel, that's about the same time that we've been suffering from COVID restrictions. And of course, you didn't know that. You, you didn't know you were starting it just at the beginning. For sure not. COVID. I mean, this is this is just before things went crazy. But having something that you can get completely lost in for an hour to an hour and a half every day, you know, as, as much as this shma as you're going to get, I mean, unless you choose not to publish, but whatever. Meaning, I'm learning. Nobody sees what I'm learning other than me. Um, and there is something elegant and really enriching about learning not for work, learning not for a shear. I happen to share what I write afterwards, but the actual process of learning and thinking is a very private matter, um, and it's been genuinely a lifesaver. It's given me an hour to an hour and a half every day of still time, of just just exploring things that isn't on the obvious agenda of things I need to learn for whichever courses I teach or Shailas I'm answering. And I think everybody has to learn Nishma, uh, you know, or learn things which aren't rooted on what they're necessarily teaching or, or ruling for. Um, but making sure that you do that as a daily practice and giving that real time is very very, very powerful. So what I love about this is you've taken the Dafyomi part of it and have sort of said, okay, I'll, I'll give lip service to the Dafyomi part that I don't like, but I'm going to really use it as a springboard to do what I do like, which is intellectual discovery. I, I love, am I right? Is that, is that accurate? Well, it's about ownership. You know, you've got to, for the Torah of Gershbauch to become your own, you've got to want it. And I'm, I say I'm really a, a big, big admirer of people who learn, who have a discipline of learning every day. For me, the regular Dafyami experience didn't speak to me, but the notion of learning every day meaningfully of Gemara and Rashain Machwenim very much does. And, and it so, took correct. you, but the, and you needed the commitment of writing every day to make it happen, or you said, 100%. I'll learn and I'm also going to write just that's what I do. 100%. I mean, I, I learn anyway, but the, the fact is. Uh, thank God I, I, I spend a meaningful amount of time learning, but I can be jumping from subject to subject and depending on, you know, whatever's going on in the world. This forces me to make sure that I'm learning things that ordinarily I probably would have skipped over for whatever reason. I would have said that's less urgent than whatever may well be crossing my desk at uh, any individual day, week or month. So, yes, the fact that... Um, I've learned Masechtas I hadn't learned before. Or looked at Mepharshim I wouldn't have necessarily looked up before. Is, I think, very, very meaningful. Uh, I was going to say, though, while, of course, it's transformed every morning, and often I try and learn and write quite early, it's particularly uh, evident on Motzei Shabbat. Because straight after Shabbos, after helping my wife tidy up for Shabbos, the first thing I do is, is uh, write the daf. I've generally learned it on Shabbos. But imagine... In t- on a regular Motzei Shabbat pre Dafyomi, I would have helped my wife and then and then uh, done some other things and probably done some work. But it makes the first thing I do in the week, other than the obvious, something Torah. And and similarly every morning, and uh, you know it, that's how one's priorities should be. Tefillah and Limud Torah and Chesed should be the first things we do every day. Okay, let's take a quick break. 
where you'll probably hear an ad about the Mission Yomi program. And we'll come back and uh, ask Johnny, how does it, if you can give us some tips on turning, uh, turning that desire for daily learning into something that people can manage and learn how to do. Stay with us. We'll be right back. So many Jews around the world are searching for a daily learning program that will bring them meaning and allow them to accomplish real learning in a reasonable amount of time. Hey everybody, my name is Ruben Spolter. I live in Israel in Yad Vinyamid. And for a number of years, for many years, I've been teaching daily Mishnah and what's called the Mishnah Yomit program over YouTube. Mishnah is a wonderful way to have daily learning. It includes all of the knowledge of Shas. It's compact. You can cover it in a reasonable amount of time. If you fall behind, which happens to all of us, you can catch up pretty easily. And really, Mishnah is an incredible source of knowledge for, for Jewish wisdom. It's the, the source text of everything about Tarash Balper oral tradition. So I invite you to join me in this incredible project. So many people have reached out from around the world. We've had hundreds of thousands of views, hundreds if not thousands of participants. Make Mishnah Yomi daily learning a part of your life. The sages tell us the Gemara Nida, Tana Debe Eliyahu. It taught in the house of Eliyahu. Anyone who studies Shoneh, who repeats Halachot every day, it's a promise that he is a Ben Olam Haba. So first, I just want to point out two things. Halachot, Rashi says, Mishnah Ubraita Halacha Lemoshe Misinai. Really, in their times, Halacha was Mishnah. And he focuses on Bechol Yom, every day. Someone who studies every day, he promised, he's promised to be a person, a Ben Olam Haba, a person who has a portion of the world to come, because I believe it's obvious. A person who studies Mishnah every day, he brings spirituality and meaning into his life on a daily basis. I invite you to join me in this Mishnah project. We have a website, a WhatsApp group, a Telegram channel. There are so many ways for you to join and be part of daily learning together as we learn Mishnah Yomit. Make it a great day. All right, we're back. We're back with Rav Johnny Solomon, which is just turned into an interview about uh, Rav Johnny's daily learning. No, no, no. But I want wait, to wait, turn the tables. I want to, to ask we'll about to Mishnah. We'll get to me, Johnny. You're, one second. You've been. How long have you been doing Mishnah for? So I started Mishnah in on March 29th, 2000, and whatever it was, six years ago this March. So we're in 22, 2016. So I, I'm like a youngster compared to you in terms of this daily discipline and output. And uh, I mean, I write a couple of paragraphs, and that's neat. But you make a video and you explain a Mishnah with Mepharshim and you teach skills more than me. I try and incorporate some skills, but how does that work for you? <laughs> in fact, better to, just a quick question. When in the day do you do that? For me, I do these things first in the morning as I men mentioned Matei Shabbat, but when are you doing Mishnah Yomi? Okay, so I would say this. I feel very strongly... Well, I'll start this way. Why did I start doing it? Because I used to write, I tell people, I used to write a, like a, write a blog. And I'm, I'm, I'm a, I was at the time, I am, I guess, a retired shul rabbi. And it sort of never gets out of your blood of the idea of like wanting to have an impact and wanting to have a voice. So for a long time, I would write a blog on, you know, on the internet and some people would read it. And I realized like to write a blog, it takes a lot of effort and energy. And it's almost like writing, you know, and, and I felt like it was here today, gone tomorrow. I, you know, some people would read, some people would agree. But it, it didn't have lasting something that had lasting impact that I felt would would affect people. Now, for many years, I actually learned Mishnah Yomi with my kids. There was a series of many years where we would do mm -hmm. Mishnah Yomi. I don't remember if it was in the cycle or not in the cycle, but at least with two of my sons, I learned most of Shas with them, and I feel it was formative for them and formative for me. They they gained a tremendous amount of reading experience that uh, that was I think is critical for just familiarity with texts. Um, and I also, at, the, at some point, somebody showed me this world-famous Khan Academy that you all know that I'm very much into with another venture that I have. But I, I just love the idea of screencasts. And, and, and I'm a little bit addicted to the internet. But I feel like the internet has so many resources, but so many people have no idea how to find them or how to use them or, mm. or how to access them. And so I figured you could, you, comp you could take this idea of these screencasts that I saw in Khan Academy and you could use them to teach something that's meaningful. And there was this Mishnah Yomi thing. I don't remember when I decided to do it, but I just knew that if I, if I would do it every day, if that's what I did every day, then ultimately it could be a value. I would just upload it and 
you know, people could would find it eventually. And so I started doing it. It took me a while till I really got my groove, like what, a few masechto till I really figured out how it is that I wanted to do it. And, um, and Baruch Hashem, over time, it sort of like kind of takes on a life of its own. You know, ask me when I do it. I don't have no. a, do I have a set time? Now I'm trying to do it at night because I'm doing it in Hebrew and I want it to be ready for the morning for Israelis. But for many years, I did it in the morning. I would get up, let's say, if davening is at 6.45, so I'd get up at 6 and do it from 6 to 6.30, 6.45. Like two Mishnah would take me half an hour and four Mishnah would take me an hour, you know, to set it up and do the recording. I'm a, I'm a one-take guy usually. I almost never go back and do it again. Like, and uh, I, I, like, I, I feel like what you're doing is di very different than what I'm doing, of course, because you're like going into a deep dive, a deep thought dive. And what I'm doing is, no, I'm trying to present a Mishnah which is, on the one hand, sophisticated and deep and contains critical concepts that people need to know. But on the other hand, it's relatively, I wouldn't say simple, but also straightforward. And I guess also like one of my big goals is to convey to the world, and I really firmly believe this, that Mishnah study is serious. That mm. it's not yeah. something that we tell our children to do but rather it's something Chazal wanted, wanted most people to do. In fact, if you'd ask me, Chazal did not intend for most people to learn Gemara. It wasn't necessary. That's the academy. But they wanted, they called Mishnah Halakha. That's what they called Halakha. They wanted people to learn Mishnah. And they wanted them to know the basic ideas behind it and to know what to do. And I think that uh, even though I don't teach Halakha Lema'aseh, I don't tell people what to do, I, I think that's critical. I think to, to study a Mishnah and to understand the issues surrounding the Mishnah, you, you basically cover all of the concepts in Shas, you understand them well. I, I, I try to communicate them in a clear way. I, I think I'm pretty successful at that. People really appreciate it and they enjoy it. And uh, that gives me a lot of Sipuk that, uh, that the, the effort that I'm making on a daily basis to not just to learn for myself, but to teach is something that's lasting. Like, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit addicted to the, to the YouTube statistics. And my favorite thing to do is to go back and look, you know, I can look right now and see how many people are learning, you know, from different mesechdot at any given time. And it's great. It's really great because it's always, it's always there. It's always on. It's always available. And that's, that's something that's really, really meaningful to me. So I guess there are two things on the one hand. One is what was creating material that would be able, that would have a lasting impact. And two is, like you said, the idea of learning every day has meaning because it has the has the power that it frames your day. You know, we all have gone through days where you, at the end of the day, you're like, you know, we worked or didn't work or like wasted time or it was a day off or even like, you know, a productive day. But you know, go to the end of the day and say, what productive, what meaningful thing did I do during this day? And when a person makes learning a regular part of, of their life, like a really regular part of their life, so it has that power to really transform your day and transform so much, so much of the rest of your life. And that's why I think that Mishnah Yomi is really, I, I personally think, uh, maybe Tanakh is great and people like Rambam, I think it's, it's really the ultimate daily learning program. It's the ideal daily learning program because mm. it's manageable, it's, it's understandable, meaning it's not so long that you can't understand it or you can't do it or you feel like it's flying by. It's accessible, you can understand it, but it's also sophisticated. You know, like I don't teach it on a children's level. I don't just, I, you know, there are issues come up. We're doing Shabbat and like I'm going to talk about this in a second, but the, the, the conflict between kviut and setting davening, but also having it shgurah b'fiv and understanding the conflict, the, the struggle between doing something on every, davening every day, but also trying to make it meaningful. Those are sophisticated concepts that, that adults struggle with on a daily basis. And, and Chazal and the Mishnah, they... They, they built all of these issues into the Mishnah and their unbelievable wisdom. And uh, that's something that I try to convey as I, as I do the teaching every day. And there is, that's my spiel. But thank you for giving me the opportunity well, to not, spiel. No, I think it's not only as an important spiel, uh, I also believe that Mishnah is absolutely foundational. I mean, uh, that in, in the old times, as you say, most people weren't learning Gemara. There was a Chavas Loim de Mishnah, uh, and people did that in different communities. I don't know if you saw, last week um, I interviewed Rabbi Yaakov Nagen, the author of Nishmata Mishnah. Yeah, I saw nice, that. Long I conversation. saw that. Right, we had a nice long conversation about our shared love of Mishnah and how it's important to encounter Mishnah on its own terms. You see, oftentimes when people learn Mishnah, they say, well, the Mishnah is explained by the Gemara and then tells you what the Gemara says. But the Mishnah contains its own internal logic and language 
and uh, it's elegant. As I said to him, I think Mishnah to Gemara is a bit like the Sefer Chinuch to Minchas Chinuch. Mishnah and the Sefer Chinuch had this poetic tone, which really, it's not to say are uh, totally washed away with the extra commentaries, but they are overshadowed sometimes by the noise of extra details. And, out, and Mishnah is a work of art. I, I would say um, it even more deeply than you're saying it. I totally agree. And I think that's a, that's a misunderstanding that yeshiva learning has given all of us, that people think that Mishnah is simply the thing that you learn in order to get to the Gemara. And uh, it's, it's not true at all. The Tanaim had a, had a wisdom and an understanding and a methodology of their own, independent of the Talmud Bavli. And very often the Yerushami learns it in a different way. There, there's a whole methodology of, of Tanaim that you sort of, like as you go through it, and I think I've definitely ex- explored this and understood it more and more, especially when I did Kachimitarot, which most people think are boring. I, I loved it. I found it fascinating, really, really fascinating. You know, when you just go through it in a systematic way. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I totally agree. I, I think it's, a, it, it's something that pains me that people don't appreciate the beauty and the depth of Mishnah. And they think, oh, it's just like, okay, you learn Mishnah Baal Peh, you teach it, you learn it as a kid, and they memorize it. And then, you know, it's really to get to the Gemara. And it's not. You know, there are fundamental issues and values that the Tanaim were, are struggling with that they're trying to convey. And remember, they're the initial codifiers of halakha. They're the first right. person to put something down on paper, trying to say, well, what, what should we say? And why would we say it? And I'm sure Yaakov Nagin talked about this quite a bit. You know, and he, he, he wrote one book on one Masechta. He should write one on every Masechta. You know? No, the Mishnah, the Mishnah is, is insights on all of, not all the Mishnahs of the Mishnah, but on Mishnah across all the Mishnahs. Uh, didn't he write one on Sukkah, though? He wrote a, um, a book specifically about Masechet Sukkah? Or no, it was all Shas. He may have done as well, but Nishinat the Mishnah, they just published it in English, by the way. Uh-huh. That's why I interviewed him. It's called The Soul of the Mishnah, published by uh, Magid, but I also have the original Hebrew. No, but he has explorations on, I think it's like a hundred different Mishnahs across Shas. Ah, okay. I didn't know that. See, learn, live and learn. Um, so I, that's my thing. I, I believe in Mishnah Yomi. I really, I really do. I really, really believe in it. I did all of the English. Now I started Hebrew. You know, and Kaddish uh, Baruch you give me strength. It's, it's been meaningful, just meaningful to me. It sort of t- takes on a life of its own. You know, my, my, my children thought I would drop it after a month and I just kept going. Like, uh, I guess I have that kind of thing that if I get in my head, like, a, you know, like you, I think you have the same thing. I get in my head that I'm going to do it and, you know, it's working. I just keep trying to do it. The harder parts are on the day. There are, there are days that it's really, you know, hard to get to. I'll tell you one further thing. You know, you mentioned uh, Squeezecaster Matic, Magic, uh, Matic, sorry. And just about, I think it's, yeah, a, a month ago, I started something similar in terms of a format, a Chumash Rashi weekly share using Screencaster Matic oh. in, in, in the memory of a dear friend of mine, my Chumash Rashi Chavosa from the UK, uh, who passed away about a month ago. Um, and what's interesting for me is a different experience of recording. Um, with video and, and pointing to text visually than writing. I was uh, Writing comes very, very naturally for me. Video, it's a little bit more of a stretch. Um, but we're living in a visual age where a lot more people would prefer to necessarily uh, look at a YouTube video, which is relatively short, and learn a bunch of things, which you've been doing for a long time. So I'm only just starting I have two now. comments on that. One, you're totally correct. This is how people learn today. And I... I think also what really struck me, interestingly enough, is I wanted to be innovative in a certain way. And nobody was really doing, at the time, very, very few people were really doing what I was doing, which was showing the text. And, you know, you, I do diagrams. I, you know, I'll, I'll show now, like, Kitve Yad, charts, all kinds of different ways of, of, of visualizing the learning. But uh, so I, I was thinking, like, how could I be innovative in such a way that, that would be creative? And it reminded me of, of Pinchas Kahati. Like Kahati started, like he innovated, he created a, um, an incredible world through his teaching of the Mishnah by totally revitalizing what it meant to, to explain the text. Just think about all of the different texts that exist today that came after Pinchas Kahati, right? Think about the Dat Mikra and the Schottenstein Gemara and all the, and the Steinsalz Gemara. All those variations are different notes on the theme that Kahati created. Some of them more in-depth, some of them less in-depth, but he really, 
he really invented the, the, the medium. He, he really invented it. I was trying to think to myself, well, is this new medium that people are using, this video, is that something that could be beneficial? So on the one hand, uh, that I was really trying to do that, and I think, I think successful. I think that it works for people. On the other hand, you know, you remember that famous like um, uh, advertising campaign, the medium is the message? You remember that? Rings a bell, yeah. Okay, there's a problem with video, I believe. The problem with video is it's not created for people to sit and focus and watch intently. Meaning you're not used to reading and watching, studying text. When you th think about yourself, like when you settle down in front of a book, so your mind takes you like the, uh, your mind really does take you to a place where you're able to sit and focus and concentrate on that text, hopefully. I'm, I'm not sure. I think we're, we're headed to tremendous problems because kids being raised nowadays, I don't even know if they're able to do that. It's, it's very much a problem. But that, that's really where you are. Whereas when you put on YouTube, your mind is saying to you consciously or subconsciously, entertain me. You know, I, you know like I want you to show me cats or, or football replays or what have you. And all of a sudden you're showing your mind, even though you clicked on that Mishnah video, you're watching a guy explain a text. And it doesn't change, it doesn't shift, it's just a guy explaining a text. You know, no fancy graphics, no, you know, no what have you. And I think it's, it's not easy to overcome that problem and sort of space out and to wonder, okay, when is this going to be entertaining to me? And I'm not, I'm not sure there's a way to overcome that problem because the medium is the problem unless times change and people learn to learn that way, unless everyone starts learning that way. But right now, very often people don't learn that way. And it's something that like, I think Khan Academy is successful at. I'm not sure. I wouldn't say I'm not sure. It's not the ideal way to learn a text. The ideal way to learn a text is to sit down and study the text on your own. The problem is the text can't explain itself to you. So I see my, my role as being the person to explain the text to people who either want to hear the way I understand it or have trouble understanding it on their own. And that's an incredibly powerful thing to have the text and have somebody explain it to you at the same time. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm like, I'm like I've always yeah, struggled no, with this point. I mean, firstly, I'm, I'm also a big admirer of, uh, I mean, not that he needs my endorsement, uh, Pinchas Kahati, who was a banker, don't forget. This is what he was doing in his spare time. In fact, there's a I video know the about feeling. him. I, I know the feeling. Right? There was a video about him on YouTube that was produced a couple of years oh, ago. Oh, beautiful. It was I great. Was, it was so great. Right. Until uh, finally the bank you know, came and said, yeah, yeah, you just sit in the room. You just finish your Mishnah. Didn't they do that right. at some point? <laughs> but, you know, it, 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 there's, a, there's a clarity of his language. He writes such that he doesn't waste words. You know, we talk about Rashi not wasting words. Pinchas Kahati didn't waste words, right? Uh, but what he says is a game changer. Many, many times I can look at a whole bunch of different Mepharshim, you know, Rishonim uh, trying to make sense of a particular Mishnah. And I take out the Kahati, it's just all of a sudden click. I now will I say it. some people find it difficult because he does go on tangents, meaning he goes deeper than many people are, are ready for, which, and I really think that he does. He definitely, he wants to explain Rishonim. He wants to explain on a deeper level. It's great. But for some people that I know a guy who writes a parish, an easy parish on the Mishnah, and he publishes it every day in a Mishnah Yomi group. I met all the, all kinds of fascinating Mishnah Yomi people in my, in my explanations for that exact reason, because he said Kahati was too much for him. Right, was... But that's where people like Hanukh Albeck, that's why his commentary is, uh, firstly, a lot of people with a slightly stronger academic leaning prefer it, but also his comments are much, much briefer and focusing exclusively on Pshat. But n nevertheless, you know, the context of the Mishnah learning community often reflects a kind of uh, perspectives offered by Kahati. But mm -hmm. returning to your point, it, yeah, YouTube and, and visual stuff um, is wonderful and exciting, but it's hard to get lost in a video the way that I get lost in books. Correct. It, it just is. But maybe that's why Mishnah is okay, because it's never like, it's usually three to five minutes. You know it's going to end pretty soon. You know what I'm saying? You're, you're like, I, in, the, in, the, in the way I see it, I see people, I hope that people like on their commute are watching it. Or, you know what I'm saying? They're watching it like, I don't know, while they're having their cup of coffee. I know pe people who say, Oh, I, I do it with my coffee in the morning. I, I dive in, I get my cup of coffee, and I watch the Mishnah. And that's very, I think that's very meaningful. And uh, th no, that's I'll the way I see it. Thing. It's bite-sized. A, a, a fascinating insight by Rav Amiel. 
uh, you know, Rabbi Yom, former chief rabbi of Tel Aviv, he said something amazing. Zer toldot sefer Adam, um, he says, if you look at the toldot of the sefer, you get a perspective of Adam. Hmm. So he said, for example, the first books were written on parchment on one side, and you could open them up and see it from beginning to end. He said, that's the, you know, in the beginnings of humanity, when you met a person, you saw what you got, right? And, uh, and basically, you could judge them based on the encounter you had with them. He says, well, then, you know, um, uh, books were published, and they're two-sided, which means you can never quite see all the words at once, and you can't see the end from the beginning. And that reflects the complexity that came about um, in more recent generations. And I've written about this idea of a couple on a couple. Hey, what would he say today when there's no pages at all? Oh, it's all so I've written ones about and it. zeros. Like, hey, we don't even, we don't have scrolls. We don't have books. We're talking about the books that we are really telling are oftentimes videos in which we're talking, which it's you know the beginning and end aren't always coherent, and it's not even uh, words, but sometimes just images, and so uh, that. That journey that he tells, I'll send you the article and for our listeners, I'm happy to send it to others as well. It's a really, really interesting perspective about using how we write words and how we teach ideas as a prism for how we develop as a society. Yeah, I think, I, I think it's, it's very deep and probably very scary for us today. It is a hundred percent. It's very scary for us today, but maybe one of the ways in which we understand humanity is through the ways in which we encounter the word. Meaning, if you want to know people, know how people relate to ideas of people. Okay, Johnny, I want to turn to one last topic and we'll do a little bit of a, a switch. So many people, I think one of the hardest things about any Yomi program, Daf Yomi, Amud Yomi, Mishnah Yomi, is the Yomi of it, is the mm. daily nature of it is making it something that you do every single day and then you miss a couple of days like i've said a number of people have said oh i got out of it and i really need to get back into it i really liked it so can you give a couple of thoughts we actually wanted molly to be here she's not able to be here with her uh, psychological and social work background a couple of thoughts a couple of ideas that you can share perhaps about ways to 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 make daily learning yomi make something every day uh, part of their daily schedule such that, that it sticks. How do you do it? I, I think how comes after your insistence that you do. Meaning, I think I've skipped maybe once, maybe twice over the last two years for some you know, real, real, real difficulty that took place. But I've had more than two challenging days of the last two years. And yet I've still learned and written. Uh, and I've written Dafyomi next to my wife in a hospital. Uh, I've written it when traveling, meaning uh, in, wherever I am, I sit sometimes and somehow find the time. I wake up early oftentimes, um, obviously, to do so. But rule number one is say to yourself, I'm not negotiating on Yomi. I'm going to do it. There may well be, you know, the real emergency. But if you say, if I have time, I'll do it, you'll not have time. Because I didn't think I had time to do this bichlal, but I found it. So if I can find time to do yomi, then I can find time even on a hard day when yomi's harder. And so the absoluteness in which I take yomi is essential. It's non-negotiable, and even on the toughest of, of uh, days, I make that time. So that's point number one. Willpower is essential. Then once you say it's non-negotiable, you figure it out. I have to wake up at five rather than six that day. Or I'll, I'll post it at 10 in the morning rather than at seven. The beauty for me is I don't insist on a particular time. Generally, I publish between seven and eight. But if I'm running late, I'm running late. That's totally fine for me. As long as I do it that day, it, that's most important. So it happening every day, no matter what, is super, super important. But notwithstanding that, for the majority of days, I have a very clear discipline. I wake up at a certain time, drink in the same cup of coffee, you know, start the morning in the same way. It becomes a habit. And it making it a habit, just like you brush your teeth, 
it, it's part of the day as much as brushing my teeth, you know. Um, and if you make it a habit, then then I, I daven every day. That's non-negotiable. Um, so if I daven every day, it's non-negotiable. I can learn daf yomi and write something every day. I just adapted my schedule a little bit in order to do that. Oh, so I sort of want to echo what you said. Actually, my wife, my wife and I were talking about this. She sent me a podcast, a Hidden Brain podcast about 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 habits, and it was it was it focused on exactly what you said. He said if you if you make it something that your willpower has to overcome every day, it's almost impossible to will yourself to do something all the time. Yeah, it's almost impossible. So the key, I think, the key is actually is to make it, like you said, to make it a habit. So you and I sort of, like for me, I have an external motivation now. Meaning my external motivation is, like I know that there are people that are waiting for this shiur. Like it happened recently, like it was, it was the end of, I think it was Edu Yot. And like I, I was running late and I just didn't get my act together. And somebody sent me an email from America saying, oh, like I usually learn with you in the morning. I guess I'll have to do it later. And I felt terrible. Because like, I, you know, like this, I, this is a sheer one. I'm not going to give the sheer. Like, you know, so I, I have that, that external motivation is, is really there for me now. Plus being on, on the daily cycle actually gets very, very strong. So in Daf Yomi, you actually have the, you have a manganon. You have a, you have a, like, you know, you have a surrounding group of people more than Mishnayomi. We're going to fix that. But more than Mishnayomi, you know, like in every community, there's a group of people doing the daf, and no matter where I go, they're all doing the same daf, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So how how do you do it? So it's interesting. She 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 gave a number of, of tips to make it into a habit, and and I think um, I think some of them were really really good. Like she said, for example, if you if you you can turn it into something that's a reward. So I was thinking about this friend of mine who drinks his cup of coffee with it. Like he likes his coffee. So if he says to himself, "I'll have my coffee when I'm doing the mishnah." Your brain begins to associate the coffee and the, you know, yeah. the dopamine or whatever it is, the caffeine, you know, that jolt, together with learning, and then you want you want the Mishnah because you want that that jolt in in a sense. I think that that's a, there are there are a number of ways of like I wouldn't say tricking yourself, but incentivizing yourself. And then after a mesechta, and once you're done with it, you know, when you finish a mesechta and you see I could do it, and you hit a milestone, then it becomes more of a more of a habit of making it a kviut. You know, so I think the key is to finding a way for yourself. And maybe it's like having Chavruta for the first month, you know, at least for, you know, six days of the week or a Zoom or doing it in, you know, in context. Actually, one of my goals, I'm doing a fundraiser, as all of you know, because you've heard my annoying ads. One of the goals of the fundraiser is to harness the power of technology in order to really, you know, create these habits. Because as, as, as we've said, that's the hardest part. It's not that people don't want to learn every day. It's that they fall out. And I think technology, like, you know, the, the people that make our apps, they're experts at habituating us to do things sometimes we do want to do and sometimes we don't want to do, the, the, using those cues and those signals. Imagine if when you finish a parak, you get a little, like, a little dot, you know, a little badge next to your, next to your ID on, on the app. Or, and after you finish a mesechta, you know that all the people's names are going to be listed. So, of course, none of us want to be listed, but we all want to be listed. We all want to have that little thing. You know, I have a running app, and uh, the running app allows me to share my run with the world, you know, put it on my status, which I dutifully do, you know, because uh, there's, I think there's a level of showing off, but there's a level of sharing. We live in a sharing society. So if I can share Didn't my... Didn't we have that with one of the guards of Bennett who did that, and then... And so during revealed where they were, really? it's, it's an interesting thing. Yeah. So if I can share my run and I can share my breakfast, why can't I share that I finished the Masechta? You know what I'm saying? And, and that's really, and I think that that harnessing of technology can be incredibly powerful in creating good habits. And that, that's my hope to get there. And if you have, uh, if, you, if you want to join me, and then um, I'm happy to partner with you. If you have a technology company and you know stuff about this, I'd, be, I'd love to uh, discuss it with you. You know how to find me. Okay. Well, that sounds like uh, a good way to end. Yeah. But um, yes, the habits, the effort, the hashka'a, the, right, the the investment, um, and the progress that's made by ourselves. And I, and I, I suppose one thing I want to add, which is, even though each of us have, shall we say, a community of learners who learn from us, 
each of us are learning with that community as well. I don't see what I'm doing as being a mere teacher. I'm also in this journey. You know, like, it's all, it's important there's an authenticity as you as a learner and teacher and me as a learner and writer. But we're on this journey as well as trying to be coaches and, and uh, motivators to others as well. And uh, all I can say is it's been extraordinary to me how many people the last two years have been lifted by the things that I've written or and encouraged. And uh, I know that's the same with you. And um, absolutely, I I don't I did never imagined how much of me how much it would become a part of me this whole thing, and it mm. has been quite a bit, you know, to a large degree. And like you said, like I had like I I'm happy that it's not my job right now, that it's uh, I do it on the side on my own on my own terms as it were, and uh, maybe that will change, maybe not, but um, it's definitely become a part of 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 what I do of who I am, and I'm sure you feel the same way. Yeah, it, it's it's good. And I say one fi final thing for me, which is, although my kids see me learn quite a bit, and, and a lot of the work that I do is also related to Torah, so they're not unfamiliar with seeing me with Sfarim and learning. The fact that every single morning, if they see me in my office, because I'm always up before them, they see me learning is something very, very powerful. You know, if they're coming into my office at some point between uh, 6 and 7.30, what they're generally seeing is me with the daf with different svarim open or, or whatever. That's very impactful. Um, uh, and it, and there's the, the, I, the, I have to share my daughter. We were talking about it at the, at the, you know, at the Shabbat dinner, we were talking about the CM and my, I was like saying to my kids, you know, I don't, know, we were talking about it. And then they started, they started quoting me like, we're on uh brachot, mesechet, uh, you know, brachot chapter three, you know, like they started, <laughs> Because uh, the poor kids, I, like, you know, sometimes I would do it downstairs and sometimes I do it in my office. And that would be, you know, like I said, I do it early in the morning. So that's their alarm clock, I guess. Yeah, there but, are worse but alarm but clocks just think about the, the impact on them. And yeah. say, I see it in my family as well. Uh, and it's impossible to describe how positive an influence seeing a parent, mother, father, both. Um, learning on a daily basis and making it part of their daily discipline. It speaks volumes. It's I, way I, more I just than want to add one more thing. A, a, yes. a not, not insignificant amount of people who have started learning are women in the Mishnah Yomi program. And that's something that I find particularly gratifying. I know a lot of women are doing Dafyomi as well, but I'm happy to have been able to open up this learning and, uh, and the knowledge that I have to both sexes, not just men, not just boys, but women and girls as well. And I find that very gratifying. Right, and that's very similar to the general readership of mine, especially of Dafyomi, where it seems to be that the right blend of, uh, you know, making you know making sense of the Daf, but also making meaning in the Daf, seems to speak to a lot of people, including a large uh, readership of women. So uh, that's what's we're both doing. All right, Shakur Johnny, thanks so much for uh, for suggesting this topic. You know, it's Good dear to, to my heart. Miss Molly. If anybody wants uh, to talk, we miss Molly. Out. Molly, if, if next week you want to talk about Mission Yomi again, I'm, I'm up for it, but I don't think our listeners are. Uh, if you guys have, if you're a listener and you want to share some thoughts or ideas about daily learning that we've missed, you know how to reach us on our Facebook page, our emails. Somehow, uh, everybody seems to be able to find us. We're not hard to find. Um, and God willing, we'll be back next week. Shakur Johnny. Thanks to all our listeners. Have a great week, everybody.